Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. And, of course, you can always find us, too, on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch us. We are on your computer or your mobile device. You can find us over at Super Talk TV. Today, we get to chat up with Miss Rhonda Bryan. She is an instructor of American Sign Language at Ole Miss. She is dedicated to teaching and raising awareness for the deaf community, and her former students are helping to fill a critical need in our state, which is needing more certified interpreters. So welcome, Rhonda. Thank you for having me. And I am so excited to have you and have this conversation, but I got tickled. If anybody remembers dorm life or college life, you never know when those fire drills or tornado drills are going to happen. So you you got kicked out of your office because of a, a fire drill? I certainly did. So I am coming from you, uh, coming to you from the front seat of my car. So <laughs> I love that, though. I mean, I think we've all been uh, on a university when uh, those drills started to happen. It was never at the right time. But nonetheless, thank you so much for for still joining us. Okay, when did you first uh, learn about American Sign Language, or I guess start learning sign language as a, I guess as a hobby, maybe first, or has it always been kind of with the profession in mind? Sure. Um, so I grew up in a military family, and when uh, we were stationed at um, an Air Force base in Tucson, Arizona, I was about 12 years old, and I met a deaf girl um, who lived on base. Um, she was homeschooled, but every day I would um, go over to her house, and she first taught me how to fingerspell, you know, my ABCs. So I would you know, fingerspell a word like tree, and she would show me the sign. And so this went on for a couple years. Um, and then fast forward about eight years, I went to college, and they had an interpreter training program there. And I just said, you know, I have always loved the language, and I went through the program, graduated, and um, became a licensed interpreter and have been in the field now for about 36 years. So. so now you're an instructor there at Ole Miss, which I think this, I guess, degree path is new for the university or newish. So where have you been working or how did you use your interpreter skills prior to where you're at now? Sure. Um, so I worked in the field, like I said, um, for the past about 35 years. I worked as an interpreter. Um, I spent about 18 years in Florida. I taught in the secondary um, classroom, so they offered ASL in the high, at the high school level. 
Um, I worked as a vocational rehabilitation counselor. I was the um, interpreter coordinator for um, another program and then um, moved back here to Mississippi and actually started teaching here on campus um, in 2012. And that was the first sign language class I taught for the university, and I had 19 students. Um, and so right now, there I'm one of four faculty in the ASL program, and this semester we have over 450 students. Oh, that's incredible. So, mm-hmm. so now it's a minor, correct? That's correct. So we offer two, I guess, different tracks. So um, it, is, um, it satisfies the language requirement. And so students can take ASL 1 and 2 and satisfy the language requirement for their major, or they can continue on and get their minor in ASL interpreting. Which would open the doors for them to then maybe do what with it? Okay, so great question. Um, This really just prepares them to further their education um, in the field of interpreting. And to become an interpreter, of course, first you have to be fluent in the language, and then it takes time, practice, and then a lot of um, association with the deaf community and associating with the deaf community and spending time with the deaf community. So, um, yeah, and, and, and I, I would like to um, share that um, this came about, this, this minor, um, was a kind of a response to the critical shortage of interpreters that we have in our state. Um, Pro, uh, Provost Wilkin here um, on, on campus had a, a run-in with uh, one of our deaf students, and, you know, he just said, so how has your experience been at the university? And the student said, well, you know, it's been great. I just kind of feel isolated being the only deaf student that, that uses ASL on campus. And so... Provost Wilkins kind of questioned him and said, well, why do you think there is such an underrepresentation of deaf people on our campus? And he said, you know, there just aren't the services. We don't have enough sign language interpreters. So the provost went to the dean, and the dean came to to me, and we just talked about it. And um, the administration has been so supportive. So we developed this um, minor, and we have our first cohort graduating from the minor this semester. How exciting is that? Because I was reading, according to the Deaf Services Unlimited, our state has only 22 nationally certified interpreters compared to other states who have twice, if not three times, if not four or five times more than we do. That's sad. Exactly. Exactly. And these are states that border us. You know, Georgia has 245. Alabama has 113. So, um, you know, we, we definitely have a shortage. And... This minor has been a response to that shortage, and I just, um, I, I, I believe that um, eventually this could lead into a major. So um, that's, that's my hope. Well, I know, Rhonda, that if I started, or I didn't start, I learned the alphabet, alphabet sometime during grade school. I can't remember. My daughter, mm-hmm. who is in sixth grade, she has brought home once or twice, like a little ruler or an index card that's got the alphabet on it that I feel like we start introducing it, kind of like any other language. Sure. But I really feel like during the pandemic, which is a bad time to sort of think about, really interpreters got thrusted into the spotlight as something, you know, cool and fun to have. Uh, 
fun is a relative term to sort of watch when you had all of the updates coming from your government officials and all that for the first time you really recognized even though they you guys had always been there interpreters had always been there for weather events or national disasters or things of that nature but this is something we saw almost on a daily basis when we were being addressed and recognizing that hey you know this is a whole nother language for people to be able to be engaged and get the same information in a timely way. Absolutely. I mean, I have, my whole profession has been in this field, and it's just such a rewarding field. Um, I always share with my students every semester, um, I think we all know who Helen Keller is, who was both deaf and blind, and she was once asked, of those two, which 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 was worse, which was harder to live with, and she said that, that blindness separated her from things, but deafness separated her from people, which was so much more difficult because we're here to connect. And so being able to work in this field and kind of be that bridge, that connection um, between the deaf and hearing communities is is certainly rewarding. There's also a student organization on campus there, the American Sign Language, um, for American Sign Language, which I think is cool, the name of it, Handband. Am I saying that correctly? So what, tell us about Handband. Okay, so it's student-led, and it has grown tremendously. We, I'm going to say we have about 70 members right now, and um, we perform across campus. We um, have a holiday performance we, um, where we sign songs. We um, have a performance in April when, when we are celebrating Disability History Month. We also sign the national anthem at the football games, and currently we are offering a free community sign language class, and that has grown as well. So we have you know, first responders and teachers and parents with deaf children attend these classes and handband members come in and, and teach them sign language. So they are just a huge part of our, of our program's growth. You also had a former student kind of go viral for all the right, all the right reasons. <laughs> Tell us about your football player. Yes, DK. Oh, that was so much fun. Um, so that was, I want to say, 2017 or 18. He took a class with me over the summer. And um, it was it was great having him in class. Of course, it, all the students were pretty starstruck at first. But he's very disarming, and he just, um, you know, had fun. He was funny. He, he was really a, a quick learner. And I have noticed that with my student-athletes, that, and I don't know if it's the work ethic, the eye-hand coordination, that, that visual attention, um, but he just picked it up so quickly. So I was thrilled that um, after all these years, he's kind of picked it back up and is using it on his platform, which is huge to bring that recognition to the deaf community. Well, Miss Rhonda, are- hang on. We're up against a break. Stick with us. we got more with Miss Rhonda Bryan. She's American Sign Language Instructor at Ole Miss. Coming up next. I'm not afraid to 
KBSI Supplied. Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. That's a good thing. Streaming live over at supertalk.fm, streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app, and of course, always on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch us on Supertalk TV on your computer or your mobile device. Continuing our conversation with American Sign Language instructor at Ole Miss, Miss Rhonda Bryan. Now, one of your former students, Rhonda, Seattle Seahawks wide receiver DK Matkeff, he kind of went viral, which we were talking about. So was he a student before he became uh, an NFL football player or after? Yes, before. So okay. he was a student here. I believe he was in his junior year when he took my class over the summer. Okay. And so, okay. So now we, he, he got, he learned his sign language there and obviously some football skills that carried him later in life. <laughs> and so he started using that on the field. Now, does he have hearing impairment? No, he, he, he does not. And, um, I've seen interviews where he talked about he's just kind of a lifelong learner. He likes to play the guitar. He, you know, just and and as far as the sign language um, was concerned, he was kind of using that to trash talk, I guess, and not get in trouble for it. Um, but the result <laughs> was just, which is yes, hilarious. But the result is just wow. You know, um, the deaf community um, has just been thrilled, and it just brings awareness to this community that's oftentimes overlooked. So. Um, yeah, I've, I've just been so proud of him for using his platform and, and, and doing this. So. Sounds like the refs are going to have to learn ASL, Rhonda. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing to add to their list of things to look out for. But it is those special moments where it brings these things to light. I think it's really cool. You guys are fixing to graduate 400 or 400 or fixing to go through your program there um, at Ole Miss. What does it, you know, for those of us who maybe don't interact with someone with hearing impairment uh, or that are that's deaf that uses ASL, how important, though, is it for all of us to at least have basic, I guess, sure. communication? Right. Um, you know, it's. I, I think that deaf people, um, for the most part, tend to be uh, isolated. And so even the, the students of mine who take... ASL 111 and 211, so just the two classes that satisfy their language requirement, they have enough skills that if they then go to work at a Starbucks or a doctor's office or anywhere in the community and a deaf person walks in, then they are able to communicate on a basic level with this deaf person who might not have had a conversation with anybody with anybody that whole day. Um, I've, I always share a quote by Nelson Mandela with my students that says, if you speak to a man in a language he understands, that goes to his head. But if you speak to him in his own language, that goes to his heart. And I think that on just a very basic human level, just being able to have more accessible environments connects people to their community. And then, you know, further, yeah, we need interpreters so that, Deaf people have access to education and health care and employment and legal proceedings and on and on, you know. 
And I don't know about everybody's place of worship, Rhonda, but ours has an interpreter there at both of our services. And I'm, I often am mesmerized by her and her ability to sign, you know, with the songs and then obviously mm-hmm. keep up with like the message. And then when you see the, the individuals gathered around watching intently and be uh-huh. moved in emotion, you know, you recognize that, um, that it's needed. It's definitely something that, that is needed. Are other universities, Rhonda, offering this class? I know you guys teach it there at Ole Miss, and now it's a minor. You hope it to be a major. But what about some of our other state universities? Is ASL a um, an option? There, um, some some of our state um, higher ed institutions do offer um, ASL. We have two community colleges in our state, one outside of Jackson and one on the coast, that have interpreter training programs. However, to become nationally certified, you need to have a, a bachelor's degree. Um, and so, um, and then I believe that Mississippi State, I believe that they have some, they offer some sign language classes there as well. Someone asked on our text line, Rhonda, and you may have covered this earlier on Good Things, but do you teach classes to the general public or are there opportunities for the general public, you know, to start taking these basic um, classes that may progress into more advanced sign language? Sure. Yes. Um, Every year, Handband, uh, we offer this community sign language class. It's actually going on right now. We meet tonight. And so it's a six-week course that just introduces community members to the language. So um, we would like to hopefully um, also offer that in the fall. But we've been offering it the spring semester for the last, I'm going to say, five or six years. Well, good deal. I hope more people definitely get into it. You know, Rhonda, I was sitting here thinking, you always call it sign language, but I know it's American Sign Language. And then I thought, well, are there other language sign language is sign language not a universal language for those in the deaf or like is there spanish sign language is there yes yes oh how confusing i wish that it was international because i could really travel and do some interpreting but a language can't really develop outside of its um, community outside of its culture and so like we find baby by rocking a baby in our arms, but in other communities, they would reference to, to their back because they carry their babies on their backs. And so the, I, you know, share that example with students that, um, yeah, it, it is it is definitely not um, international. I wish it was. But. Yeah, I mean, but that's the first, I never, you know, it's not something if you don't need to think about it every day, but then, but then also too, that opens those up that are interested in the language. Look at all the opportunities you could have to travel the world or to, you know, have these really unique, um, opportunities for jobs. Even like, would, would it be fair to say if you were a certified, in, um, interpreter, could you have like side gigs? Could you be there for, you know, have, have job and this be on your side or is it something, I know you teach, yeah. but outside of like teaching, others could you could you make a full-time living being a, a certified instructor a certified interpreter or interpreter sorry yes ma'am oh, yes yes absolutely absolutely um I, I currently interpret i teach full-time but i also interpret for deaf students on campus so it can be you know a side job but i i worked for years as a full-time interpreter on campus um and then i've um, at, at the school systems, um, you know, um, the K through 12 
um, school systems, they hire full-time interpreters, freelance interpreters, and then video remote interpreters. So there are interpreters that just kind of work as an operator and um, relay messages between the deaf and hearing communities over the phone. And so... I think people need to know these more opportunities. I mean, I think it would be a really rewarding and then unique job um, to sort of have. To me, I would have loved to have had this as a language credit in, in college instead of the terrible Spanish I do not remember. And so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's such an interesting field in that if you can think of anything from birth, I have interpreted the birth of babies. Um, I have interpreted funerals and everything in between because think of all the things that you do in your day-to-day life and go for a job interview, go, you know, to the doctor's office. You need to have an interpreter if you're deaf. So so those that do find themselves uh, either born deaf or, I guess, go through hearing loss and then become deaf, do they, I mean, do they go to the, like, special schools for that to learn it because they have to learn it also right like i mean just because you lose your hearing doesn't mean you learned how to sign um that's exactly right and that's a great question because what a lot of people don't know is um 90 percent of deaf children have hearing parents and so there's that challenge um that and that need for early in, in intervention um and so um you know, signing from birth, if the parents are hearing and don't know sign language, how does that happen? So a lot of times the parents are learning the language along with the child. Um, we do have a school for the deaf that's in Jackson. And so um, a lot of a lot of deaf students do attend school there. However, it's a residential school, and a lot of parents, you know, who live too far away from from the school will end up mainstreaming their children and then if the if the child does end up using sign language then they need an interpreter so 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 many options but also so many good things i think i'm reminded rhonda is it the hershey's commercial where the boy learns how to sign yes to give the the young girl a, a hershey bar <laughs> that's yeah. right i mean you just see it so much i mean it's in so many different commercials, the Super Bowl halftime show was interpreted. The national anthem is always interpreted. And there are movies out there that the theme is deafness. And um, so, and then people like DK who shed light on it as well. So, well, I appreciate you shedding light on it today here, Miss Rhonda. We've got people on the text line interested in your um, in your classes. So hopefully they'll show up to handband. Tell them good things sent you. And you're welcome back anytime. Great. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. All right. You guys stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
back to Good Things. Don't forget we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. You can always find us, too, on that local Supertalk Mississippi radio station, and you can watch us. We are on Supertalk TV on your computer or your mobile device. Now, mark your calendar for tomorrow. That is February the 23rd. we got a new documentary, Sacred Soil, the Piney Woods School Story. It's coming to Hulu, and it's shining light on all the good things that have happened there for the last 115 years and that continue to happen there. And joining us is the director, J.J. Anderson, and Dr. Will Crosley. Hi, guys. Hi, Rebecca. Good afternoon. Congratulations. We're one day away from the opening day on Hulu. How excited are we? Oh, incredibly excited. I don't know about Dr. Crosley, but I'm on the uh, my seat. Super excited, super excited. Now, Dr. Crosley, what's it like on the campus knowing that this is about to air? How are the students feeling, the staff, faculty, everybody ready to share their story with the world? It, it, it is. I, I've been doing this 10 years. I, I can't remember a time when there was greater excitement there are people everywhere doing some of everything to get ready for uh, JJ and all the folks who are coming for this screening tomorrow. So we're super excited. Well, Dr. Crossley, you're an alumni there at Piney Woods. So I know how you've heard of the organization or what the good work you do. JJ, how did you hear first hear of Piney Woods? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my father actually went to a black boarding school in Georgia called Boggs Academy, which shut down in the 80s. Um, but he had such fond memories of it, and he talked about it all the time. And um, I'm a research fanatic, uh, mostly looking at archival photos. And so one day I was just kind of reminiscing over his good times, and I started researching um, Boggs Academy and other black boarding schools. And to my surprise, there were very few standing, right? There were 100. There used to be 100. Now um, there are about about four. Um, and so Piney was actually stuck out to me because of their mission, and that mission is to develop a child's head, heart, and hands. And so thinking of a child's success, not only in the classroom, but thinking of their spiritual success, um, their mental health success, and then also they have this incredible ag- agricultural component that I just thought was outstanding. And so I had to see what was going on at Piney Woods. So you had 115 years of work going on there, JJ. How do you figure out how to tell its story, documentary style, in the you know 20? I guess are we first century 20? Well, 2024. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> how did you sort of? Because I've I've seen some of it, and you pay great homage to the past and great homage to the present, and then hopefully as it continues to grow as a as an institution, how are you? How did you sort of wrap your mind around sharing all that information in one documentary? Yeah, I appreciate your acknowledgement of the intersection of the uh, the past and the present, but it was quite the task, right? 115 years worth of history. I knew that I couldn't squeeze that all into an hour and a half long documentary. And so really my objective with this film was to bring awareness to the school, but also to get people to invest in the good work that they have going on. And so the best way to do that, I thought, was through the kids. You know, Dr. Crossley reminded me today, when you visit Piney Woods campus, having not been there before, you are immediately greeted by the kids and you're, you're given a tour and they really take this on as their own. And so it was, it was my feeling that there was no better way than to, to tell this story through the kids. And it's really an observation of what it means and it requires to be young, black and educated in America. And we're thinking of that, you know, physically, uh, emotionally and, and mentally, right? Um, using this kind of medium of, of Piney Woods school. So, 
that's how I came to that. And, and I really do hope that I honor the past as, as much as I did the present. Dr. Crossley, I have passed Piney Woods a bazillion times, riding my little 99 Sunfire up and down 49, going to Southern Miss or Hattiesburg, you know, in between homes. And so, and I learned so much about uh, the history as well as what you are currently doing by watching this. So I almost feel, you know, a slight guilt as a Mississippian who knew of Piney Woods. I know where you're located, passed by it, always saw, you know, um, saw it from the, from 49, but was so, I guess, um, taken back from um, what I didn't know. So how do you explain Piney Woods to even Mississippians who drive by it every day or have heard of heard of it but don't really recognize what you guys do behind behind the gates there? Yeah, so, well, first of all, um, thank you. And, and um, I want you to know that you are welcome here anytime. So the next time you're going down 49 and you've got a few minutes, turn in and see us. And that goes for you and anybody listening. We, we, we love to have members of the community come and, and see what we're doing. Uh, Piney Woods is at once a, a, a kind of safe haven, uh, from the world. You can see our farm and so forth from the highway, but a lot of what we do, um, you, you can't see from there. And for many of our young people who may be seeking refuge from, challenges of, of growing up or things happening um, in in their neighborhoods, et cetera. Piney Woods is Piney Woods is here to to support them. And so that's that and so it's a it's an interesting thing that we're both uh, open to the public but but also uh, want to make sure that we're um, protecting the space uh, for our young people. And then I would just say the the, the other piece of what we do that we've sort of always done is um, empowering young people. And so much of what you will see in the film is I think young people um, taking ownership and showing a sense of empowerment that they have uh, in this space. And so, um, so we invite everybody to come see what we're doing, uh, but we're, we're excited that we're able to uh, help our young people develop um, in, a, in, in this exclusive space that we have. JJ, you chose to sort of share the Piney Woods story through current students and obviously shine light on the past and alumni speak also. And you did a great job of choosing students who were obviously were alike because they were going to school there at Piney Woods, but vastly different, right? And I think at every institution, you've got students of all different walks, all different interests, all different outlooks. So what was it like kind of finding those that were going to be your storytellers? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually had a lot of help from Dr. Crossley. Um, I knew going in that I wanted to have kids that sort of represented each grade and each kind of, um, I think, moment in life, right? I, I don't know if you can recall back to your high school days, but each year was vastly different. Um, and so upon meeting Dr. Crossley and kind of talking about this film, he suggested when I was looking for a junior, and I think junior is a very hectic year, kind of when you're applying to colleges and you're deciding what you want to do, he suggested uh, Maya Adams. And Maya just so happened to come along with um, a sister, a young freshman named Takira Adams, who is one of the most spirited young people I've ever met in my life. And I was so excited by this because the, the contrast between them I knew was going to play very, very interestingly. You know, seeing a, a, a kid who has been there for some time who can navigate versus a kid who's coming in who's kind of finding their footing and struggling, right? And then Maurice just kind of happened to, to come about. I, I wasn't initially wanting to focus on a sophomore. I thought it was more of a passive year. 
But after talking to him and hearing his story and hearing about how he was helping to pay for his own tuition and had been there since since eighth grade and was from the Delta, um, you know, I knew I had to include him because not only was he going to be a great representative of Pinewoods, but I think of Mississippi in general. And then, of course, you have, you know, your senior, Kareem Kelly, who spent his almost his entire uh, youthhood at Pineywoods and, and was graduating and was leaving. And I wanted to explore what that was like, what it meant to leave a place that has catalyzed your growth and invested so much in you. But it's important to say that all of these kids represent the, the larger uh, body of, of Pineywood School. And so that was a big thing, too, was just making sure that I'm honoring the rest of the student body through these particular choices. Dr. Crossley, one thing that I appreciated sort of watching a parts of the documentary, which is coming out tomorrow on Hulu, and that's Sacred Soil, the Piney Woods school story, is how much opportunity within class time that students were encouraged to have open conversations, open communication about some tough topics or some, you know, hot topics of the time. And there was no stopping difference of opinions. It was just allowing them to have, you know, mature conversations and differing opinions about current situations is that very intentional or is that just happened to be maybe that teacher or is that kind of like a piney woods way well you know the interest (laughs) so i would say it's a piney woods way the interesting thing about what you see in the film is that it just sort of shows us who we are but uh, all of those things the uh, jj and the film crew here um they selected what what would be there we we had very little little input. You know, we sort of had cameras following us around or staring us in the face. Um, but we pretty much were just being who we are every day. And we have discussions of every type um, on this campus. The work that we do is it's not it's not the traditional educational approach. Sometimes people think about it as a teacher who has a bunch of knowledge and they're sort of transferring it into the from their own heads to the heads of the students. And we 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 think about our work as discovery that we and students are discovering these things together. And Dr. Crosley, we're running up uh, out of time, but JJ, how can we discover more about Sacred Soil and watch it tomorrow on February the 23rd? You know, that's what you can do, Rebecca. Everybody listening is just go ahead and watch it. Sacred Soil, the Pinewood School Story, comes out tomorrow, February 23rd on Hulu. Um, watch, share with your friends, spread the word, throw a watch party. If you are around tomorrow and you're in the area, uh, come by for our screening. All are welcome. It starts around 3.30 at uh, the Pinewood School. Congratulations to you both. Uh, good work. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. So you. Much, All right, stick with us. More up next. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. 
We're also streaming from the app, the Super Talk Mississippi app. You can always find us on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And don't forget about Super Talk TV. That's on your computer or mobile device. Don't forget about your chance to win Taylor Swift and a cash gift. Margaritaville Resort and Paradise Pier Fun and Park in Biloxi, along with Super Talk Mississippi, is uh, giving you an opportunity to win a pair of tickets to see Taylor Swift on October 26th at the Superdome, plus $1,000. Just go to supertalk.fm slash Taylor Swift to find out full list of registration locations and more, or just go to Margaritaville and get you a margarita today because it is National Margarita Day. Is that a true Spanish word, margarita? Because I feel like I will be my third language to have fluently spoken (laughs) this week here on Good Things. Is margarita, I know it's a beverage. It's apparently the Spanish word for daisy. Margarita is the Spanish word for daisy? How did that happen? How did we get translated into great yumminess that it is? Okay. Well, still have a margarita today. Are you a margarita fan? Uh, I Give or take it. It's just like any other mixed drink. It, it has a, a time and a place. Although I would much rather have... And this is where I'm weird. I'd much rather have a margarita on the rocks than frozen. Well, you're not weird. That was my next question. Rocks or frozen? People have their hardcore salted or unsalted. Salted. In that way. Um, You like what you like. You don't what you don't. I get that Um, in that way. It's also National Chili Day. I've never thought about putting a margarita and chili together. But I wouldn't be opposed to Well, you to could it. put one of the ingredients of a margarita in John Wayne's chili recipe. What is that? He includes a portion of salsa gold tequila in his chili. Ah. Or he did, past tense. It's also National Cook a Sweet Potato Day, so you can really have your choice on what you want with your with your margarita today. I think if you start putting sweet potato in chili, that makes it into more of a... A Ghanaian or Ethiopian style dish. I have had a. You could have the sweet potato black bean chili before, but it, I, it's one of those things, and it's delicious. I just don't need it to be called chili. Yeah, it's more of a soup at that point. Or like, a, I mean, and it's really good, and not taking away from it. But when I, I have just a very distinct vision of what I feel like chili should be, kind of like with hamburger or the other things, I'm not opposed. To other meals made from other foods that have the same sort of look. I just don't need you to call it that. I do not call spaghetti squash spaghetti. It's not bad, and it's lower in carb, but on no planet is that noodles. <laughs> is that like an, cauliflower e- rice. an equal replacement for the said thing that you had? Same thing with like zucchini or zoodles when that really hit big. Yes, they can be made to taste good. Absolutely. They curl up on your plate. They're great in fiber. I love you for and loving them. But do not say you're making spaghetti tonight and then bring me a plate of zoodles with meat sauce and tell me that that's supposed to, like I'm not supposed to recognize that that is something completely different that I had, that I had in my mind in that way. So margaritas, if you go and have like the like the little flask apart, one thing I don't like about them is like if, depending on where you go, they can really cheat you with your like how much of the good stuff is in there because you get it so syrupy or so sweet, like you don't really know. And so you end up with like a little bit of the good stuff and a whole lot of the other stuff. And then it's just too 
That's why I prefer it on the rocks. Because if I'm ordering a margarita, it's either going to be at a Mexican restaurant where you, unless you're sitting with your back to the bar, you can usually see the bar, or you're at a bar, and you have two choices with the margarita. Either they go up to the Slurpee machine and just, all right, here's some margarita. Hope it's mixed. Or you watch them make it in front of you on the rocks. Oh, here's a fun fact within the National Day. The margarita was further popularized in 1977, release of Jimmy Buffett's song, Margaritaville. So that's kind of cool. And then obviously they took it and ran with it in terms of margaritas there. And they are delicious at his resorts. and And they're not always skimping on the things. That would be pretty depressing, though, if you went to a Margaritaville resort and had a bad margarita. Absolutely, it would be. It is one of those things, though, that I don't want it, like, non-alcoholic. I don't want it virgin. I'm not looking for it. If I want that, I'm going to get a slushie from the gas station and enjoying it. There are things that I don't like. I will partake, especially when I was pregnant. I would would sip and enjoy, like a virgin um, Bloody Mary or some other things. But no, margarita. It's basically just uncooked tomato soup. (laughs) trimmings that like are Like a fun. tomato soup. That's, no, you don't put all the olives and all the things in your in your tomato soup. You, you, a good one, you never taste the vodka. A margarita. It's just boozy soup. <laughs> anyway, happy National Margarita Day. Cheers to you if you want to partake. All right, stick with this. We got more for you up next. You got the boys with sports talk from 3 to 6. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.